0: But in these young PSSD kids, on these SSRIs at a very, very young age, often before they had any idea or even the parents had any idea that there could be this issue of PSSD, we're seeing their tissue as if they're 70 years old. That is the most crazy and remarkable thing. They have tissue damage in their penis from the tissue near the glands, from the tissue in the midshaft, from the tissue at the base, from the tissue in their crus, and uh, it's not just the tissue change. It's the it's the it's the severity of the problem that is an issue. Let me right. just say, let me yeah. just say, I'm not against SSRS, okay? In, sure. in, in appropriate situations, they save lives. Uh, there's no questions. I think where I fumble with medical uh, professionals is their inability to to, to provide warning, like, like appropriate uh, consent, It's not that complicated to get this medicine anymore. So people who have situational situations who should be counseled are getting these dangerous brain-altering chemicals that can affect tissue integrity for the rest of people's lives. It's crazy. Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now your host, Dr. Yosef Wittering.
1: Hi, Dr. Goldstein. Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and um, speaking with us today about PSSD. Um, For the people out there who don't know who you are, could you please just provide a professional background briefly?
0: Golly gee, Um, I'm a board certified urologist, former biomedical electrical engineer, and former college and uh, medical school uh, hockey player. I uh, am born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I moved to uh, Providence, Rhode Island and Brown University to start my sort of college and uh, athletic career. I went to McGill Medical School for medical school work. Uh, 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 My wife, who I met at Brown, uh, moved with me to Montreal. Um, And uh, we then moved to Boston, spent 25 years in Boston, and moved to San Diego 17 or 18 years ago. And uh, I've been, I'm a urologist, but I don't really do urology. I've sort of uh, used the title to focus in on the field called sexual medicine. And sexual medicine is a field uh, where we are a subspecialty of all of medicine, and we focus on the study, the diagnosis, and the treatment of men and women with sexual health concerns. And uh, without realizing uh, men and women who have been on selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors uh, for mood disorders uh, change the brain chemistry, and when they get off their selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and have usually experienced some sexual dysfunction, are usually told that they don't have to worry because whatever they were prior to the SSRI use and sexual function will return in sexual function. But it's not always the case. So the persistence of this selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor sexual uh dysfunction is the term psst and we're we're bombarded with patients with this issue so this is not a subtle thing this is a very very common occurrence in our practice
1: let me ask um when did this i mean when when i first heard about this i was kind of shocked that something so serious could happen and so life-altering could happen from a medication that is really viewed as as quite safe and benign um, when did this issue first um, come to your attention
0: so um like everything in medicine when you're not looking for it you don't see it and when you just say i don't understand why everyone is told all their symptoms of dysfunction will go away because we're not seeing that we're seeing a lot of people where it Uh, continues the sexual issues and uh, it's a little ironic that most uh, users of SSRIs are women but most of the people we see are men (laughs) because I guess uh, um, I don't I'm, I'm just guessing why we see that but it could be that men aren't tolerating the sexual dysfunction and women are just saying it's just another thing I endure and bear and sometimes sure. have to do during the week to keep my partner and I'll mate guard, but, you know, uh, on the drug it was awful. Off the drug it's even more awful, but I'll just deal with it. Whereas men, um, you know, they're, they're, it, 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 it affects many aspects, but erectile dysfunction is particularly annoying. And um, among many things we do is we do very specialty examination of people with erectile dysfunction. So uh, over time, it just became so odd. We were seeing these people on multiple different SSRIs, Prozac, Lexapro, and Zola, whatever, any one of them. But they were given to them at 18 years of age. I have people at 12 years of age, and people at eight years of age uh, um, for anxieties at school. God knows why, but... Uh, um, on it. And they're now entering puberty and they want to masturbate and they want to have sex with partners and they can't do that. And nobody can figure out why. And the crazy part is when we actually get them to the office and we do the objective evaluations of what Is going on with their sexuality we you know we we have a biopsychosocial examination it's a three hour visit i spend an hour with them in history and education and we do an hour of testing uh, along with an hour of psychology assessment but that hour of assessment uh biologically we inject a needle in their penis they get an erection but their average age is in their 20s and I see many, many men in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. That's our usual population with hypertension, high cholesterol, diabetes, cigarette smoking, all the, all the risk factors for vascular disease. And uh, for them, we have a very uh, fancy uh, 15.4 megahertz probe ultrasound uh, uh, device. And it has amazing resolution at very limited distances of the application of the probe to the to the testing site. No, the usual ultrasound is here's the woman's body, here's her pregnant uh, abdomen, and here's where the probe is. You don't need a very expensive ultrasound because it's focusing many uh, uh, centimeters away. But for an erect penis and an ultrasound, you've got to have a fancy uh, probe. So we have that fancy probe. And uh, here are these 20-year-old kids who, when we normally see kids with uh, erectile dysfunction, it's... Based on, gee, when I was having sex with Mary, she came down at me, my penis broke, or I'm a, I'm a, a bicycle rider, and here's my crotch, and the bar is jamming into me, the seat is jamming into me, and I know I've hurt the bottom part of my penis. Or, it's, it's, it's very traditionally a trauma. But in these young PSSD kids, on these SSRIs at a very, very young age, often before they had any idea, or even the parents had any idea that there could be this issue of PSSD. We're seeing their tissue as if they're 70 years old. That is the most crazy and remarkable thing. They have tissue damage of their penis from the tissue near the glands, from the tissue in the mid shaft, the tissue at the base, from the tissue in their cruse. And uh, when we take control people, with 70 years of age and hypertension, high cholesterol. And I look at their ultrasounds and I take the other control people who are 20 years old with obvious trauma, uh, breaking their penis, jelking injuries, uh, 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 putting constriction ring on, putting weights on, you know, very obvious trauma injuries. They have a way different ultrasound appearance. Our kids with PSSD have the same pictures as older people. And there are data in the literature that if you take animals and you uh, feed their water with sugar water and you feed their water with any versions of SSRIs and you cut their penises off months later being constantly exposed to these SSRIs, you induce tissue damage. The The basic mechanism is generation of what is called oxygen radicals. So oxygen is O2 uh, and it's just, a, 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 it's in the environment. It's we breathe it every day, but O three minus, which is the oxygen radical, is a very intense uh, uh, molecule that that adheres to smooth muscle cells in the penis. It causes tissue damage and apoptosis, cell death that leads to scarring. And I think that's the the the, the way these poor kids have these ultrasound appearances as old people. Their their their, their tissues are you know, for whatever genetic reasons, they're susceptible to these drugs, they are susceptible to these drugs. They have tissue damage that's way above and beyond logic and rational explanation. That's really scary. I mean, it is really scary. I have a 22 year old and was just with yesterday (laughs) on Lexapro as, I don't know, is 15 or 16 for various uh, mental health issues. He's uh, uh, trying to be in a relationship with someone. Uh, I have uh, I have the need to inject his penis with the most strong drugs. We have like 15 different drugs. He's on the upper end of the spectrum and he hardly gets an erection. And he looked at me in tears and says, I'm never going to have sex. I don't want to have sex. This is the most awful thing that has ever happened to me. Wow. And uh, uh, I said, no, you, we have lots of things to help you with. But uh, I mean, uh, you really have to uh, work with me because this is bad. And uh he was not prepared for this finding, and uh, yeah, so to deny p s s d hey, you know people deny the the earth is uh, around and travels around the sun, that's fine, people deny holocaust, and I guess that's not fine, but they do, but I mean that's just our scientific finding
1: what's happening um what, what's happening with health regulators, i guess groups like the fda and um and EMA, you know, who, who look at this data where you have, you know, well, we these... haven't published it yet. <laughs> okay. All right.
0: It's right. We're working okay. on it. It's taken three years with COVID. It kind of interfered with all
1: this, but okay. And, um, can I think you're me... speaking to the head author
0: of this at some point in the future. Is that Ahad? That's Ahad. Yeah. yeah, He's cool. yeah. yeah. He's, he has lucked into an amazing, amazing project. Well, wow.
1: I mean, this is really going to be pretty groundbreaking. I mean, when, when this comes through, um, could you give me a sense of how how big is the cohort of, um, I guess, people with PSSD who have had these um, tissue changes in, in the penis? Just a sense of the sample size there.
0: I mean, you know, we're obviously a, a facility where people come to us, With persistent problems, you know, if you're um, able to travel to San Diego and undergo these tests, it's what we see. Now, there are people with PSSD who, when we do their examination and they have a persistent ED, um, they've also fallen on a bicycle bar. So uh, we'll see their real, real problem as being trauma and the, the, the designation as being PSSD is probably not accurate in that person. So uh, 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 we are able to, to separate that population. Uh, um, so, so, I mean, we define PSSD as being off the agent for six months, maybe having experienced uh, some sexual issues uh, uh, while on the medication, but it's the persistence without explanation for other reasons. That, that's sort of the, the working way we define PSSD. You asked me about the FDA and I sort of uh, skirted it because I, 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 this one patient is, is on my mind and it's really sad and I just had to get it off my chest and tell you. But um, um, there's a, a, a really cool advocate of PSSD uh, patients, David Healy, and he has put together a petition to the FDA, and uh, for whatever reason, it got lost. I don't know. It, it was submitted years ago. There's been ne- really no response uh, by the government agency on this, and I don't, I don't know what the usual waiting time is. This seems excessive many years. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe with the publication, we could readdress uh, the reality that I see a lot of it, but I don't even know what that means because we're just a a tertiary uh, center that people fly into, so it's what we see. But it doesn't mean that it's it's common. I can say it's not easiest thing I can say is if you have a condition uh, as an individual as a patient where, where your problem is persisting, it's just simply not going away and uh, uh you weren't that way prior to the medication and maybe on the medication you suffered a little bit but you were you were explained oh that will just go away but now it's years and years later and it's not getting better that's not good that that to me is uh, uh real reasonable evidence that we will see tissue changes in
1: that person and um clinically when um i guess how do, you differ, how do you work to differentiate um, PSSD from uh, other causes of uh, sexual dysfunction, whether it's performance anxiety or a kind of a hysterical coping mechanism to, to sexual problems or something like that w- without an ultrasound? Because I understand there may be a lot of clinicians out there don't have this kind of ultrasound, how would you look at it in in teasing the two out if you didn't have that type of tool that could see that tissue damage?
0: Well, then that's the rub. Uh, um, Because these patients had, well, in general, most people who have PSSD that I see have had normal function sexually, prior to using the medicine, but have had some um, mood issue, some some mental health issue that's requiring the use of the drug. So that's where the confusion wraps in because uh, they are um, uh, requiring a medication. They have a mental health issue. So it's so easy to say, oh, well, you you are on Lexapro. uh, uh, You have persistent problem it's clearly that it's the mental health issue that is you know you stop the lexapro but your original mental health problem is what's causing this it's it's just not if mean, it is just not that way our data which are based on so many issues uh, uh, a will be able to give you the, we have international index of erectile function scores, of control populations, of trauma patients, of the vascular risk mm-hmm. factor people versus the PSSD people. We're seeing, uh, so, so in, in the field of uh, uh, sexual medicine, we have the ability to ascertain the severity of the ED with really nice uh, uh, patient report outcome measures, highly, uh, highly validated. The international index of erectile function is what, in fact, Pfizer used to to get Viagra across the finish line, Mm -hmm. Cialis across the finish line, uh, 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 whoever the the uh, the group that did uh, uh, Levitra. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, um, it's divided into no ED, mild ED, moderate ED, and severe ED. And uh, if we take uh, sort of the cohort. Of, of individuals with uh, uh, the PSSD uh, and, and look at a uh, control cohorts of other people who are equally aged, you know, 20, 30 years of age. Uh, our population of sev- it has severe ED, way high percentage compared to uh, the usual population of 20, 30 year old ED, which is very rare, but it's all trauma based in general. Uh, versus the uh, elderly people who have severe ED.
1: So, how is the. So it's,
0: uh, it's not just the yeah. tissue change, it's the, it's, the, it's the severity of the problem that is an issue.
1: And, Could you speak uh, to uh, maybe the, the type of, the, the character of the ED that you would see in depression or severe anxiety and how that might be different from PSSD?
0: so uh, it's a great question um, uh, this the the ed in depression is mostly one of low interest uh, low wanting to want to have sex uh, I have no libido I, uh, I'm exhausted I'm tired I'm not I have no energy I'm black I'm, I'm gray I'm not either I'm not I'm not if very excited or I'm not very sad. I'm just blah. Um, um, so, so that's their version, but that's not the PSSD version. They'd love to have sex. They, they want to have sex. They, they, they can't cause the, machi- the, the machinery is not working. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very frustrating. And, and they've been mm-hmm. medically gaslighted for so long being told that it's all in your head. It's not uh, like that. and You know, uh, another, uh, I'm just thinking out loud here, it, it's probable that those with depression, the usual sort of mental health version or psychological version of ED, would be more associated with, I get morning erections, doc, I'm just not interested in using them, and when I'm with a partner, nothing's happening, and blah, blah, blah. But these guys with PSSD who have the tissue damaged, they do not have normal morning erections. They have have sad, very uh, uh, partial versions of morning erections.
1: And um, the other thing is, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought for a second. um, I wanted to ask about.
0: It gets personal um, when you do this stuff.
1: Yeah, the uh, general, general anesthesia, what do you make of this common s- symptom that I hear reported that it feels like they've lost uh, erogenous sensation, that kind of sexual type of feeling that, ha- you know, in the genital area, and then people say that. Extremely, uh,
0: extremely common. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. a, a pleasure-free uh, area. I mean, they, ha- they may or may not have orgasm, but if they have it, it's fairly muted. And the, uh, the the pleasure, the joy, the the fireworks that follows uh, ejaculation orgasm is is just missing. So I attribute that to a different uh, sort of nightmare of these PSSD agents. So the the nightmare that I talked to you with the oxygen radicals. That's the effect. Uh, on the erectile tissue that causes the inability for the tissue to function normally. But there's another aspect. The, uh, the, The exposure of SSRIs to the brain, its job is to raise serotonin. And God knows what else it does, but let's say at least at some level it raises serotonin in the synapse, which is an amazing inhibitor. But why do we assume that when they stop their SSRI exposure that everything... Readjusts back to its preliminary value. Why can't it be that their serotonin levels and maybe other abnormalities associated with the agents uh, continues to exist? Because if you bring that up, uh, you're bringing this concept of an uh, excess inhibition in the sexual process, and let's argue that absent pleasure. Uh, absent feeling is central nervous system inability to 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 record pleasure. You you you've inhibited the 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 idea of 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 whatever pleasure ends up being. And let's say it's very largely dopamine and norepinephrine, and probably oxytocin. Whatever you're doing at that fundamental neuro, neurotransmitter level, the serotonin. Is inhibiting it. And, uh,
1: I mean, that idea makes people very uncomfortable. Um, but you know, the the you know, we have clear analogies of this happening with with other drugs. You know, namely the the antipsychotics, which are very well known to inhibit kind of movement. And for some people, they'll have these you know tardive akathisia, where long after the drug, uh, they're, they're, um, the the movement systems in the brain are, are still disruptive and. And sometimes it doesn't go away, but sometimes it takes years to come across.
0: Of that, and I think that's a fabulous example, and I think that's what's happening.
1: Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about was but, something. Yes, so let that, me
0: just say, let me just yeah. say, I'm not against SSRIs. Okay. In, sure. in, in appropriate situations, they save lives. Uh, there's no question. The suicide rate. In, 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 I mean, we've had patients commit suicide. It's, it's awful, uh, and if SSRIs do that, I, I think, I think. I think where I fumble with medical uh, professionals is their inability to, to to provide warning like like appropriate uh, consent to, to these products. Uh, uh, parents giving this to young people, where we see this frequently in my practice, but no one's giving consent that this may happen to their child. They may they may they may not wish to expose people to that, or at least provide an appropriate. Consent so that if it does happen, they don't have to spend 10 years being medically gaslighted and they could go get correct help uh, as soon as they can.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with 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 all of that. It, You know, as a risk, you know, to me, it certainly weighs on the risk benefit, you know, and it would and you know when this comes out, and people are more aware of it, I think it will skew who we give these medications to to people who have more severe depression and anxiety because that would be the cases where you would accept a risk like this uh, and not for kind of garden variety heartbreak or things well, like that so, so yeah. i don
0: 't know if a heart hmm. ever tells you a HUD's, uh, world or 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 uh, if other patients that i 've seen who have been in Nice relationship with the partners, something happens, the partner breaks up, they're a little bit sad, they don't function as well as they ought to. It's a 100% situational uh, change in their uh, functioning. Uh, it's extremely common for them to go to HIMS or HERS or God knows how they achieve these crazy things. No doctor being seen, little phone call, little telemedicine, reviewing the risks and benefits but not discussing PSSD. And they're on the medicine. I mean, it's not that complicated to get this medicine anymore. So people who have situational situations who should be counseled are getting these dangerous brain-altering chemicals that can affect tissue uh, integrity for the rest of people's lives. It's crazy.
1: Do you have any – I'm just going to throw this out there – Actually no, I'm going to ask, the, ask you this first. So you mentioned that you you can inject um, um, medications into the penis to um, to help with an, an, an erection, and that the people with PSSD, sometimes they need such high levels of this to even get anything. Is that you know if, if someone had depression or anxiety, and and you and and you gave them one of these chemicals, you would expect them to be quite responsive to that right because yeah, they we would
0: give them very low amounts of that because their tissue yeah. is working yeah it's their it's their uh it's their libido it's their detachment it's their it's kind of their mood thing they wake up with normal erections they're they're showing that their system is working it's just when they interact uh with others that uh, you're not getting the the uh function that they want
1: sure um, making a segue now because I want to want to really use all the time I have with you. What can you say about the prognosis of this condition?
0: Yeah, so that's extremely important, and um, um, I think the way to do this best is to say that uh, I have no ability to reverse. This as if the person had never, ever taken the medication. So if they have a sexual issue, uh, I think the most honest thing I could say is I can help them get better erections. I can help them get better orgasms. I can help them have better life quality uh, during their sexual function. It's not going to be like it was. It's going to be like uh, they're going to need to do stuff. To improve their erections is going to be to do stuff to to get better pleasure and orgasm. If they're willing to do this stuff, uh, uh, I could I could help them so they have a better life quality. Uh, and if you speak to many of our PSSD patients who have, ex- you know, it's kind of like loss. You go through the five stages and finally you get to acceptance. You say, okay, I don't want to live like this, so let me do things to help me versus how angry I am that when I was five years old, my parents prescribed this for me. Uh, and you got to get over that eventually. But once you get through into acceptance and are willing to work with us, and we can help them a lot, but we're not putting them back to the pre-PSSD days. There's not going to happen.
1: And um Could you briefly just walk through what a treatment plan looks like for someone who has PSSD, the types of things that you would try to, you know, as you mentioned, improve their sexual functioning?
0: So it's a pansexual dysfunction. It's not just ED, although ED is a very prominent one. And there are PSSD people who have totally normal erections. So uh, it's a 100% individual thing. And I'm sure there's a lot of genetic susceptibility to all of this. and, And that's why we can't really predict this because... I am sure the majority of people who take us as rise have none of this. problem is there's a whole bunch of people who do have this. so for for uh, ED uh, we do ed things so there's kind of symptomatic treatments and uh, disease modification treatments and we would take them through the various conversations for those for people with low libido. Uh, We've, of course, measured their hormones. And if there was any contribution from a low uh, testosterone state or a low (laughs) dihydrotestosterone state or an elevated sex hormone binding globulin state, or sometimes we see hypothyroidism and sometimes we see high prolactin. So, you know, there are other versions of uh, low libido other than testosterone. Uh, And if they have orgasmic dysfunction, uh, uh, sensitivity, Uh, problems, uh, no pleasure during what we call orgasmic anhedonia. There's an entire evaluation for that. We've seen a bunch of PSSD people who have had no sensation, who were also runners or, or sporting people who had annular tears in their back. Before we uh, uh, attributed many of their numbness, uh, lack of feelings to actually what we call (laughs) lumbosacral, lumbosacral, annular tear-induced sacral radiculopathy, a whole bunch of words. But for people who want to not get into medicine, they have a herniated disc and it's pushing on important nerves in their back that are sending information to their brain and we've been able to help them get more sensation. Uh, by fixing their annular tears. and You know, listen, it, it, it's, it's about being detective and sort of dissecting the various issues and trying to help them. Now, in addition, they have brain fog. They have cognitive changes. Uh, these are people whose memories have gone. They can't perform at work. We have doctors who have PSSD who can't be doctors because they can't function. We have people with new and worse mood changes than they had prior to them going on the PSSD since they've come off the PSSD that we have to work with. So it's a way broad thing, and it's way more than just ED, and it's way more than just sexual function. And uh, we try to work with other providers who who will work with us. I sometimes have to provide, there's a medication, uh, amphetamine, dextroamphetamine mixed salt. Uh, it's really fabulous for people who... Uh, who who can't focus anymore because of th- their their brain fog sort of cognitive change mm-hmm. and th- their lives change dramatically. That is a that's a game changing drug in, in in that population of PSSD. So listen, we have we we really can help people. It's it's a matter of uh, of not saying there's a one version PSSD that fits all. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. We need to address them, deal with them, find out the best way we can manage them, and work with them. And that's the way we work with them.
1: Okay, I um, I'm all I'm all out of questions. So I just want to say thank you. Is there is there anything that I didn't ask you about which you'd like to share with this audience?
0: Yeah, um, I I, um, I like you um, uh, who work with drug uh, side effects uh, recognize the good and the bad and the ugly. Uh, d- drugs are phenomenal uh, uh, strategies that uh, our current world uses. I mean, we now live to age 80. Let's argue that's almost entirely based on the amazing discoveries that the drug industry has made. Uh, It's just that uh, uh, we need to be aware that some of these agents, uh, in genetically susceptible people, are going to cause them harm. And we need to not medically gaslight these people. We need to get them onto treatments and, and, and say, hey, in trying to help you, there was some issue and we need to work. I, I, I'm not an anti-drug guy. I don't want to come across like that. What I want to come across with is people who seek help uh, because of this, they, they should get that help. And they, they should have... Uh, protocols and strategies and research going on to minimize uh, uh, that that damage. And that's where we should be. We shouldn't be in the thing, oh, PSSD doesn't uh, exist. It's, it's, you're making it up. It's, it, it, it never happens. It's all their mental health use. That's just wrong. <laughs> that's just real wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time. We, I really appreciate it.
0: Well, you have a great rest of your day. I'm going back to my conference.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from doctors Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at witduringpsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.